one of the really important things is for non-AAPIs to amplify the message. And, right, and, right. and let's be very clear. You, as my Caucasian brother, <laughs> traveled with me to Vietnam. Come to me into Little Saigon. Go to a Vietnamese American and AAPI events. And for, for you as a non-AAPI to reach out to me um, means the world. And I want to amplify that message. It's much like when me and you reached out to our African-American brothers right, and sisters right. when they went through their hardship or, or to, you know, or to, um, to a, a friend who, who gets um, profiled as a terrorist because they wear a turban, right? And so, so, reach, so I, I want to share with you how important that is, uh, that you as a, a white male leader uh, of influence who um, reaching out to me and amplifying this message, I believe that is a very, very important part of the solution. You are actually in the minor, minority percentage. I mean, you, you, you just said it, Ed, when you said a majority of the listeners may not be victims themselves, may not be Asians themselves, may not be an experience what Linda and I have growing up in, in, in white America. This, this is a very sensitive and heavy topic. Um, but for you to be able to be proactive about this and share it is part of the solution. This From the Heart podcast is presented by Orange Kiwi Consulting. The three most challenging transitions owners face, namely scale, sale and succession, can often result in costly and confusing journeys. But the good news is it doesn't need to be that way. At Orange Kiwi, we help our clients succeed where others have failed by coming alongside them to help them navigate the challenges others simply aren't able to. We understand how to help you avoid that costly and confusing journey that comes with realizing the results that you really want. Visit our website today at orangekiwillc.com and use the code HLG2021 to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation and find out for yourself how we can help you gain greater clarity, confidence, and control while experiencing less stress and more satisfaction. You said brothers and sisters, and that's, that's the message that I, that I want to share is that we are. And I don't mean that in a spiritual and a religious way, because, you know, we have very, very different beliefs when it comes to our spirituality, but we are brothers and sisters. We're, we're one and the same. So let me just start. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll have a, just a, a very um, fluid conversation here. I don't know what it's like to grow up in Orange County um, the way Linda, you and Tam have, as far as, you know, obviously growing up, I, I had a couple of Vietnamese friends when I was a kid. Certainly Orange County's demographic has changed quite a bit in the, you know, I'm 50, almost 57 years old, but I love the diversity. I love seeing, I've learned so much. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Tam, you're my best friend. I mean, you and I, we've traveled together. We've hung out together. We have meals together. We do events together. We have like minds when it comes to family business and so forth. So I don't, I, I'm honored by the fact that, you know, you and I are friends. There's no the differences are what makes us great together. So I'd love to hear Linda, your thoughts, because, you know, I've, I've known you for a few years as well, not to the extent that I know Tam, but I know you through Tam and I've known of you and, and known you for almost as long as I've known Tam. Cause I think I met you, you know, probably close to 10 years ago. Tell me about your upbringing. What was it like? And uh, we'll, we'll transition into where we are today after that. Yes. Well, I just want to start off saying that what you just said, <laughs> calling Tam your best friend really just got me emotional. And I'll tell you why, because I'm looking at a white man across the screen and I'm looking at a Vietnamese brother and it was just, it really just tugged 
my my heart to hear that. And I got emotional. My eyes just started tearing up hearing you say that because I appreciate that you opened up your heart to learn more about our culture. And growing up, um, I had talked about this before where I was born here in the United States and I struggle between am I Vietnamese, am I American? And you know, uh, I've, I've never really looked at when people say, um, well, I've never really uh, thought about, okay, well, uh, I, well, let's focus it this way. I've always been open to learning from different cultures because it's just so much fun to see how they grow up and, and um, especially the Laotian culture. I grew up with the Laotian culture and I completely identify with it and sometimes more so than our Vietnamese um, culture. Because growing up, my parents placed expectations upon me. Um, you need to do this just because we're Vietnamese, we do this, or we're Asian and we do it this way. And you know, I, I've learned a lot from the Laotian culture, uh, learned a lot from the Hispanic community. My best friend is Hispanic. And, and that's why this whole experience, it's hurtful yeah. because when it happened, my my Hispanic girlfriend called me right away. She saw, I just want to apologize that it happened to you. And I promise that, you know, we don't all think that way about Asians. And and yeah, it, it, at, at times where one incident, it's really hurtful. It's also heartwarming when a community reach out, reaches out yeah. to to console you. Well, and, and, and thank you for sharing that. And I get emotional when I think about my relationship with Tam and Lynn and his family. And I've, like I said, been to Vietnam and had a dinner with his dad in Vietnam, you know, know his mom, know the family, know the kids. I mean, I, I, I this isn't about Ed Hart and what I see, but I don't see, I see the differences, but I see the differences as magnificent and I love it. And the, the funny thing is too, and funny is the wrong word, but the irony of this is that Technically, I guess I should say I'm a German American or an Irish American because that's where my heritage comes from. I just happen to be a few more generations removed from it, but that's the only difference. My ancestors came from another country too. So talk about what that's like. I know, Tam, you expressed to me early on in COVID, family, and this wasn't just unique to you, but you've had this experience as well. You'd be out on a family walk and someone of a different ethnicity, regardless, would see you and cross the street and walk the other side. And uh, I know that's very hurtful. Talk about that experience. I know it happened multiple times and I'm sure Linda, you're nodding like you've experienced it as well. Can you talk about that experience and how that makes you feel? And Yeah, just take it from there. Yeah, sure. Um, no, first and foremost, thank you, Ed. Uh, you know, I often call you brother from another mother mm -hmm. and uh, you, your, your care um, you know, Linda and I are part of a, a newcomer generation. I mean, it's interesting as you share, you, you're German American, but multi-generation removed. So with each generation, we become more American, right? And, uh, and we feel more American as my kids feel more American. But um, unfortunately, I, I don't always feel American. I feel like a foreigner uh, here living in um, America. And, 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 and I've, you know, I, I obviously, this is home to me. I'm a proud American, sure. you know? You got a red, white, and blue I've, behind you on your screen. I've got red, white, and blue be behind me, but but I could share with you, Ed, growing up, when I thought of, you know, you and I both like sports and I think of all Americans, all Americans to me actually meant blonde hair, blue eyes mm -hmm. and, and and having a name that was more like, you know, John or Bill and and and, and having a last name like Smith or Jones. For me, that was American. And, and so I, I've felt 
like a foreigner and, and I, I could share with you, it, it wasn't just through COVID where, right. where not only individuals may, may have walked away, you know, and, and, and I always give folks the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're walking away because it's COVID, right? And, it, and it's, it's safer to physically distance. But, but, um, but I also know that I've also heard things throughout my life that, that made me feel like a foreigner or didn't make me feel American. And, 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 and I'm comfortable talking about it now, but I wasn't always comfortable talking about it. And, um, and, I, and I know there's such a small minority of us that are talking about this because it's a heavy subject or, and there's a small percentage of, of non-AAPIs, non-Asian American Pacific Islanders like you, Ed, who are reaching out to be part of the solution to amplify that. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. More people need to do that. But I've grown up being called chink, being called gook, being called nip, uh, being called slanted eyes. I, I had the whole Chinese, Japanese, and Vietnamese gook thing um, at me. I've been, um, I've been trashed by the school bully uh, because I was a nip, you know, to, in their eyes. Um, I've been, even as a college student um, at, at UC Irvine, when I was wearing a bandana and we were playing intramurals basketball with, um, with my four roommates who are all Asian Americans uh, on the basketball court, we got pulled over by police. Uh, we got sat down and asked to put our hands over our head and um, we were asked by the officers, where are you guys going? And, and I, 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 I politely answered, uh, sir, we're going to play basketball. We're, we're, we're an intramural basketball team. They said, where are you from? And I said, sir, sir, we're from UC Irvine. We're, we're college students here. You know, we're, 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 we're forming a team. And, and, and they said, no, you're probably from Westminster. What are you doing down here? You're, you're down, you know, what are you doing down here? What are you, what are you guys up to? Well, what gang are you from, by the way? And, and I was taken aback and I was surprised. And I was like, wow, being Asian didn't feel very good at that moment. Being Vietnamese felt terrible at that moment, uh, you know? And, and, and I, I wanted to get as far away from that as possible. Um, and, and it's been, it's been hard Ed, especially recently with the rise in Asian American hate crimes. It, it um, you know, uh, the statistics are showing since COVID started over 3000 hate activity and incidents have been reported nationwide through stop AAPI hate. Um, here in Orange County, the Orange County Human Relations has stated that we've had a tenfold increase from, from, from 2019 to 2020 in reported Asian targeted hate activity. The Orange County District Attorney, Todd Spitzer said at a news conference that we recently hosted where Linda spoke at, he said, we've had more hate, Asian hate incidents reported in the last two years than the prior 20 plus years in Orange County. These are devastating numbers. We're all watching on the news. We're all watching videos as we live in a, a time of social media. Asian elders being targeted, yeah. being pushed, being spat on, being killed. And, and that's not just happening in the Bay Area or New York. It's now happening here in Orange County as well. This is heartbreaking for, for our community. Um, our, you know, there's no place for hate in, in, in anyone in, in, our, in our community. The last thing I would share is one incident that I'll never forget is my, my first friend in college at UC Irvine was Muntu Lee, and, uh, and she was a sister to me, um, much like Linda's, my community sister. 
And she being Vietnamese American and I, we were lab partners uh, for a chemistry class. Just a few couple years later, her older brother, who was a UCLA graduate, Mr. Tian Lee, a leader, a bright future, was murdered by a hate crime on the Tustin High School um, lots. He was rollerblading and it ended up being a violent hate crime. He was stabbed multiple times and called Jap and Nip just for being Asian. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's a, and, and, and my friend lost her brother, her lost brother. And the only reason why he was killed that day was because he was Asian. Um, I, I can't, you know, it, these times bring back up bad memories like that. Um, uh, we, we need to share more. Uh, I'm from a family and a culture that believes in persevering, that believes in not speaking up, uh, that believes in, you know, know your place, you know, respect the elderly, respect authority, respect uh, those in leadership. And it's a tough time. Um, it's a tough time, but we have to share it. We have to speak up. We have to share this message and, and, and share out. So thanks yeah. for this. Uh, platform. No, of course. And I know what your family went through just to come here in the seventies. I, I know the story very well of your family, Tam, and coming over here and, and uh, it, it breaks my heart to think that the, the violence and the hatred and the just instabilities that you fled from that it exists here. It breaks my heart that people who live here in this country can treat anybody. I mean, that anybody, I mean, I understand that there are biases and judgments and racism and so forth, and I don't accept it. I understand that it's there. I don't get why, because it goes back to earlier in this conversation. Linda, talk about your experiences. I know that you've been just a, a, a fierce leader in the community against this, but even prior to all of this, your leadership in the community has changed lives. And, um, Talk about just your feelings about what, what you're experiencing and seeing and, and just any kind of message that you'd like to deliver to, yes. to our viewers and listeners so I'll, today. You, know, you brought up something earlier that I completely forgot about, um, talking about you know, when you're walking on the street and you know, non-Asians, they, they, they walk away from you. Um, I was walking, no, actually, I was driving in Fullerton, actually, and there was a group of Asians who were jogging with their mask on and they were crossing the street. And a small group of non-Asians quickly covered their face with their hands and ran to the other side of the street, which I couldn't believe that was happening. Like I was shocked and this was at the beginning of the pandemic. And I remember this was, in, it was about April or May and I was going for a hike in Fullerton. And it made me uncomfortable because I was around the corner from a girlfriend's house and I thought, am I safe here? Hmm. Am I going to be okay walking? <laughs> right. Um, uh, sorry, I got a call coming. Um, I was so uncomfortable during the walk in, on the trail because we're on a trail. I felt sort of de deserted. And I was afraid, I was afraid that day because I had seen what happened and I felt I wasn't welcome there. And I just wanted to get over with that hike that day and just go home and hide. And going back, going back to March of 2020, the first incident was at work and I was in a meeting with my colleagues 
and they were talking about the pandemic and about having to quarantine. And one of my coworkers said, well, it's because of the China virus. And hmm. he looked at me straight in my eye and everybody giggled. And it, I was mortified. I was embarrassed. And, yeah. and I was the only Asian sitting in the room. And of course, out of shock and nervousness, I laughed along with them. But it wasn't funny. <laughs> well, and you're not Chinese, by the way, for the for just noted for our audience, you know. Yeah, I mean that that that's part of the ignorance right there, too. Yes. But that was one incident. The second incident happened at Target, where I was in line to do an order pickup. And the couple behind me said they coughed first and they giggled and they said, stay away from her. She has coronavirus. And I was shocked. So I didn't respond, immediately respond. Um, it took me a, a good moment to finally gather myself, turn around and I, I did ask him, would you like to repeat yourself? And then um, I did get a little loud in there because I was pretty angry, sure. but I was, asked to, I was asked to leave the store. <laughs> wow. And I was, um, I was escorted out. I was pretty upset and went in my car and I cried for 45 minutes. And that evening, I was supposed to pick up dinner for my daughter at Chipotle. And I thought to myself, oh boy, I'm going to walk into a Mexican American restaurant. <laughs> and this incident just happened. My daughter is sitting at home hungry yeah. and I couldn't get myself to go in and get food. I cried for 45 minutes, had to gather myself and said, get it together, Linda, your daughter's hungry, she needs food. So I finally get my food. And from that day forward, for a good month, I, well, for a good two to three weeks, I didn't leave my house. And I was thankful for quarantine, actually, because I was afraid to leave. And my only comfort zone was within the borders of Little Saigon, yeah. of Westminster, Fountain Valley, Garden Grove. That was where I was comfortable um, exploring if I needed to get out to buy groceries. Um, but then when I got a little more brave and I was ready to get out a little bit more, I wouldn't make eye contact. And until this day, um, I rarely make eye contact with non-Asians. And if I do, I will make sure I will, uh, I will make an effort to smile. Um, but I still have that fear in me where I don't want to provoke anybody just by, just for being Asian. Um, so I don't make eye contact on most occasions now. And the irony of that to me, knowing you, is that you're one of the most approachable, loving, kind-hearted people I've ever met. And uh, it's, it, it kills me to know that that this is causing you to just rethink your way of being because your way of being is what draws people to you. And so it's not just an isolated incident where it's like, well, it happened and I'm going to cry in my car for 45 minutes, but I'll be okay. No, this is life-changing. Question I have for both of you. You, I know Tammy, you have three kids. Linda, you have a daughter. Both of you have a teenager. So let's start there. What do you tell your teenager who we're about to go back into school full time? I mean, we're, we're getting to the point where our kids are going to be able to get back. I know Linda, you're homeschooling your daughter now. I'm getting that might be part of the decision. Um, but what are you telling your kids? Because they're still in the community. They're still playing sports with and going to activities with and going to the beach with their friends and how are you packaging this for them so that they don't go through it or what they can do when they do go through it? 
Either one of you want to start. And Fama, let you start. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, uh, being being a parent, and um, you know, my wife and I are, are very cognizant of of what's going on, and 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 so what 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 we've been doing as parents and in the community is actually being very intentional about bringing our children uh, to events uh, like like the one we just hosted with Linda in terms of the uh, luminary and candlelight vigil that stood up to Asian hate. So my wife and three children, along with many community members, Linda and many of our friends, uh, went out there to, to voice up at, at, the, at, at the news conference, at the, um, at the event um, highlighting this. Uh, just so that we are out in mourning with the community, just so that they can have a safe space to ask questions in, in terms of their curiosities. Um, our conversations at home, for my home, we have a, a weekly com family conversation uh, and it happens every weekend. And we allow, we allow key learnings, we allow each child to talk about their, their key learnings. And, and we as parents talk about what we learned for the week, our highs and lows for the week, we call it. And, and, and one of the major lows is, is, is the violence and hate against Asians, right? And, and, and that even more broadly, that hate, violence, and racism exists. Um, our, our solution, uh, Ed, is always, as, as we have always talked, because your, your last name's heart and my name, mm -hmm. thumb, means heart, right? right? We've always talked about that. Our solution's always been love, right? Yeah. So when there's hate, we come back with love. When there's violence, we come back with peace. And when there's division, we come back with unity. And, and, and now when there's despair, we come back with hope. So that's always been our message to our children. It's always been our message to our friends. We've always been intentional about being positive about this. Our children aren't naive, uh, Ed. My, my, my oldest son, when he went to school, he said, Dad, for the first time, we've never taught him about colorism or racism or, or, or differences. In fact, my son, his three best friends in his life from kindergarten to eighth grade are white and, and he's never known any difference. And in fact, those Caucasian white friends have gone with us to Vietnam, um, go to with us to Vietnamese restaurants in little Saigon, celebrate the culture with us uh, on a regular basis. He's never known the difference. Uh, he has had instances where he's come to me and says, dad, I was teased today. Uh, you know, that, um, food that mom cooks, the Vietnamese dish that we love so much at home. I brought it to school and sure enough, during lunch, there was a kid, a non-Asian kid came up, told me, man, that stinks. What the hell do you guys eat? You know, what the hell do you guys eat? Where, where, where does that belong? You know, that, that, that is not American food. You know, you should bring hot dogs and hamburgers next time because that thing stinks, whatever. And he, he was crushed. He was crushed. Ed. he came home to me and said, dad, our favorite Vietnamese dish that I brought to school, some kid not only laughed at it, but teased me about it and said it looked funny and described it as, you know, and, 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 and that saddened me deeply, Ed, but, but I know that that's just out of naiveness. You gotta, sure. there's kids out there. They're not mean kids. They're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to be racist. They're not trying to make a comment that is, that is, that is, but, but that's all, 
you know what you know. And, and it's, it's an important conversation to have, educational conversation to have is how do you handle that? How do you reframe that? How do you look through different lenses? And how do you look through the prism uh, from, from different stripes so that we can learn about their culture and, 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 and they can learn about ours because we do have a beautiful culture. What I, what I want to do is share those honest conversations with my kids so that they can become prideful because instances like that, Ed, that my son experienced at school could easily lead down the path of what I experienced and want me to be and, and want to be as far away as possible from your heritage or your Vietnamese-ness. Uh, those are moments where you go, I just want to be American, man. Like, why did my parents give me a Vietnamese name? Or man, why do I not have blonde hair and blue eyes? Why am I so yellow? Why am I feeling like a perpetual foreigner? Why does our food smell and stink? You know, and why why do not I not fit in? At the end of the day, it's about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And at the end of the day, the result and the goal Ed, is is belonging. Yeah. We want a sense of belonging. I am a prideful American. My parents gave their life for me to be an American. I am very proud that I'm an American, but I'm also equally as proud of my heritage. Right, exactly. And so, so as we as we navigate this very challenging um, issue of identity, we navigate this challenge of of, of hate against particular groups, uh, you know, specific subgroups, uh, xenophobia. Um, it's conversations like this, creating safe spaces like this, that allow us to share the message in a very nonviolent in a very educational and a very loving way with those who, who are seeking to learn more. So, so I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's the, and I, I think, and Linda, I want to ask you the same question, but before I do, the most behavior is learned from someone else. You know, that young man who teased your son about his food probably learned that from home or from a TV show or from other friends or tried to be the comedian and make people laugh and at the expense of someone else. And I, I don't think that people realize, well, let me be careful how I say this because I'm not <laughs> sitting where the two of you are sitting. People in my circle, I think don't realize, and, and I'm speaking to myself more often than anybody else here, how offensive we can be when we're just trying to crack a joke or make someone laugh. And it's causing me that this conversation is, is creating in me. Here I go now, Linda, getting emotional, a, a self-reflection of be really careful what you say and why you say it, because, you know, your intent may not be to hurt. Your intent may not to be, to be little, your intent may not to be, to do damage, but you are. And again, the you I'm talking to is the guy in the mirror right now, by the way, you know, I like to, I like to get the audience to laugh as much as the next person does, but, we need to be really careful what we do and what we say because the, the lasting impact is, is pretty brutal sometimes. So Linda, you, you talked to your 13 year old daughter, you're homeschooling her now, which is a decision you made during the pandemic. Um, but she's still having experiences out there in the community as well. I mean, she's not, you know, obviously we're not out in the community as much because of the quarantining that we've been doing the last 12 months. But a lot of that thankfully is coming to an end, um, we hope. What do you what what are the conversations like mother daughter conversations about this? Yes. So as Tam mentioned about being intentional about bringing his kids to events, I've done the same. I bring Lana with me to most events. I have her volunteer. I have her participate. Um, we typically don't talk about 
serious matters. She's a teen, she's 13, and sometimes things can be a debate. <laughs> yeah. And But when I bring her to events, I know that it's making an impact. Um, although she's quiet and we don't talk much about it, I could see in her behavior change um, that she's thinking about it. On the way home, she doesn't say much. Typically, she's talking my ear off in the car. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when we did the luminary event last week, um, she was very quiet on the way home. And I know that she was proud. She was proud that she was a part of it, um, that she was there laying out some of those candles. And one of the conversations that we did have um, was during the Black Lives Matter movement and how Asians came out and really, um, you know, uh, stood beside the black community. And she was all you know, posted on her social media. She was you know, supported the black community. And during this time, we're wondering, well, where's the black community in return to support yeah. us? And it's hurtful, it is, because we don't see, um, we don't see it posted on social media. We don't hear it talked about. Um, a lot of the crimes uh, that are happening, um, you know, to our elderly, it's heartbreaking. And, and our children are seeing this on social media because they live and breathe social media. They actually see these things before that, before we see it. And they're sharing those things with me and having my daughter share that with me because I'm at work, I could be working 12, 14 hour days. I don't have time to be on social media scrolling, but when I get home and she's showing me those things, like, mom, did you see what happened to that old man who, um, right. The elderly man who was um, who was pushed in his driveway, right? And it's heartbreaking. And I'm trying to settle in from work after a long day, and and I see that, and I don't know how to respond to it. I really don't. And I'll be completely honest. There are days where I don't know what to say to her, and I don't know how to respond. And I hope that by taking her to the events that we um, put on, that she learns compassion through that because it leaves me speechless. I don't know how to respond to it. Yeah. I'm going to look into the camera for a second and I'm going to talk to my black brothers and sisters and my Hispanic brothers and sisters and others say, we need to step up. We need to unify because we're all there for each other. I mean, you know, Linda said it herself, you know, the, the, the love and the support in the black lives matter movement. Um, I know that there's a lot in the Hispanic lives and so forth. And again, 56 year old white guy here trying to have an educated conversation about diversity, you know, who grew up in Orange County. It, it, it doesn't make sense to some of you probably, but we need to unify. I can envision us standing arm in arm together, all of us, um, and, and not just defending each other, but just defending what's right. Tam, you did an event with uh, United Way with, um, you know, yeah, it was at Ben Alvarado and Martha Daniel and Sue Parks and yourself talking a little bit about the, the cultural, the beauty of the cultural diversity in Orange County and, and in our country. What message would you give in, in, if you could do that same workshop again now, how would that message differ a little bit? So we do, continue, thank you, Ed. We do continue to do that workshop and we did one, in fact, this morning, that cult, hmm. it's called Cultures United and, right. and I, I, I'm, I'm the Asian American Pacific Islander representative. We have Martha Daniel representing the black community and we have Ben Alvarado representing the Hispanic Latino community, Latinx. And we continue that series. Uh, we need it. That series is more relevant more than ever, to, ever as we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
And, and Ed, it does make sense for me, for you as a 50 something white male to lead this conversation. If you stay silent, then we become invisible. Yeah. If, uh, you know, it's just as important that you lead this conversation as Martha Daniel, as a black African-American female business leader in Orange County leads the conversation as much as Ben Alvarado as a, as a bank executive and, uh, his, you know, uh, Mexican-American leading this uh, conversation. This conversation is is about you know the the the, the takeaways that we have gained from from our now fourth in our series of workshops for Cultures United is we as humans are more the same than different, and the differences that we have, let's celebrate those differences with cultural celebrations and foods and what have you. But we have so much more in common in terms of our, our values, in terms of our love for our families, in terms of our passions, in terms of what we want for our lives. That, that, that's the beauty of this, Ed, uh, that, that we, you know, and, and as, we, as we have these open and honest conversations in safe spaces, Guess what? We take these behaviors and these look in the mirror moments back home and we become better models for our children and eventual grandchildren. And, and, and the beauty is that we think about one intent versus second impact. You know, I like you, Ed, I have a sense of humor. I love joking around and, and my intentions always let's make everyone laugh because when we laugh together, we have a good time. But we don't realize at times when you make that joke, whether it's a racial joke, whether it's an LGBT joke, whether it's a female joke, the impact that has is lasting and very devastating and yeah. very hurtful. And so if we all become a little bit more intentional and a little bit more compassionate and understand with empathy, I believe our actions and behaviors will change uh, before we speak. And the impact we make will be long lasting and will prevent many of moments um, on the playgrounds and in other, uh, in other places. So, so that's my takeaway from the Cultures United discussions and conversations. I also want to give a shout out for, um, you know, Linda and I were very active with Vietnamese American Chamber of Commerce as board members and then leaders in the Asian business community here in Orange County. We have been able to collaborate and get statements from the Black Chamber of Commerce, as well as the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce here in Orange County. They understand the hurt we're going through. Um, we need to continue to collaborate as, as, as our friends from, from the Black community, Hispanic community, and Caucasian mainstream community. And Ed, you represent that. You as a white male, you as a professor, you as a leader, respected leader, as our director for Center for Family Business, you as, as, as someone who who people look up to you as someone who's been a best friend to me and a mentor and that I learned so much from there you as well as many many of my mentors my executive mentors in my life because my parents only taught me so much in the home many of my Orange County executive mentors are white males you know when, when I think of the Roger Koch's of the world yeah. when I think of the other you know and I, I see you with Ken Blanchard and and and, and our other friends you know Charles Antis these are these are individual incredible humans but as white males um, you're in a you're in the power position uh, you know even my neighbor who's a white male and he and he's LDS Mormon and he shared with me Tam Orange County in America is built tailor-made for white male Christians. And mm -hmm. myself as a non-Christian, I already feel 
like a minority. I already feel discrimination, <laughs> let alone I can only imagine what it must feel like walking in your shoes or your or Linda's shoes because uh, I just don't know. So that was yeah. very important and, and very um, very mindful uh, of what- Yeah, the only, the only time I've experienced any kind of profiling, and I won't get into too much detail, but there's a, a state that's not too many states away from California that sort of has a prejudice against Californians, and I'm not going to go into the detail of it, but my wife and I were driving through that state with our <clears throat> California license plates, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, got pulled over for going like six miles an hour over the speed limit. And it was very clear to me that we were being pulled over because we're Indians, but it wasn't a white thing. It wasn't a Christian thing. It wasn't a nothing to do with my race. It was where I live, which is nothing compared to what you go through. Linda, you talked about the experiences you had early on in, in COVID and what you've experienced before. You talked about the elderly gentleman that was knocked over on his driveway and eventually died. And we all saw that video on, on the news. Talk to the people who think that those are just isolated incidents because they're not. Because if we think it's isolated, it's like, well, yeah, it happened there and it was probably gang related or it was probably a history there. You know, the, the guy who knocked the old guy over, they probably knew each other in the community. And I don't think they did. I don't know the details, but these are not isolated incidents. That's why this is such, you know, you talked about, Tam, I think over 3000 incidents just in the last couple of years. Can you talk to the person who might be sitting there in their bubble thinking, well, it's isolated and it's not really my fight? Yeah, I... You know, in, in the past year, uh, when I first talked about my first incident, I received a little bit of backlash online, you know, on social media. And it silenced me for briefly, briefly it did silence me. And but over time, I kept saying, well, who's going to speak up except me? In Orange County, we really had, haven't really had anybody speak up about their incidents, um, whether it's because it's out of shame or embarrassment. They, they don't want to share their story or, or be seen. In recent weeks, I've been blasted all over the media. I've been on the front page of the Orange County Register. Yeah. And you know, it's embarrassing, I won't lie. It is embarrassing because the last thing you want to be known for is to be a victim on front page news. And I kept telling myself, you know, have a positive outlook because I'm getting the word out there that that this is happening. And I've been asked multiple times um, throughout various uh, from various organizations, from different news sources, um, how the Trump administration um, contributed to this. And while I don't, I try to avoid politics and I don't right. talk about it publicly. Somebody had asked me on. Uh, I was asked on two occasions if I felt that this was incited um, when Trump made it okay to call it China virus or Kung flu. And I paused and I told myself, don't answer this one. Hmm. You know, <laughs> don't yeah. answer it, Linda. You know, this is not going to go down very well. And I thought to myself, no, I'm going to answer it because that's when it originally happened to me, was back in March of 2020, um, or March or April of 2020, when you know uh, my coworker called it China virus. Well, where did he get that from? Um, <laughs> and I told myself, no, I'm not going to have fear. I'm going to say it, and that's how I feel. But yes, it was incited by Trump. And 
it's it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking how how it encouraged. He encouraged it that it was okay to to incite violence against Asian Americans. And yeah, it's heartbreaking. That is, it really is heartbreaking when our leaders, regardless whether it's political or in the home or in the business environment or anywhere, you know, we mirror their behavior. If, if our leader does or says something, we think it's okay. If that, that young kid at uh, your son's school, you know, his dad makes fun of Asian Americans and it makes it okay for the kid to do it as well. So we, and that's why I wanted to have you each talk about your kids a little bit, because you're, thankfully, they're being led by parents who, who see things clearly and uh, can teach them. And, you know, I, I think it was Winston Churchill says it takes courage to, sometimes it takes courage to stand up and speak up. And other times it takes courage to sit down and shut up. And we need to know when to do which. And you went through that battle. Do I sit down quietly? Because that's my nature. Or do I stand up and speak at the risk of BBC and Orange County Register and the news outlets now want to feature me and my story. And I know, I know, knowing you, Linda, know, also knowing the culture that, you know, it, it's definitely out of the comfort zone to, to stand up and, and be heard. And that's why I think what you, the two of you are doing now is so important because you are venturing out of your comfort zones to stand up for what you know is right. Let me ask you a question now that it seems like a weird question to ask on this topic, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because that's who I am. In this environment that we're in right now, what gives you hope? Community. Okay. That's the first thing that stands out to me. It's community. Um, we continue to stand together and we invite all cultures to stand with us. Tam? Um, what gives me the most hope is humanity. And uh, although this virus, hate is the virus, and, and, and although we've seen the worst of humanity in this with, with the attacks on, on the Asian hate and violence, we've also seen the best of humanity. Um, you know, when friends come and support you, uh, even non-Asian friends come and support you. They want to amplify your message. They want to do something. They want to donate to something. They want to volunteer for something. We've come together as, as fellow humans and humanity is beautiful. And, and so this anti-Asian hate will be, will be squashed. And it gives me a lot of hope that although there's a small, there's a percentage that all, and we're seeing the crimes rise, those individuals with hate, those individuals will be, will be overshadowed by by the best of humanity and and so america which i believe in as a proud american we've seen the worst of america already but we're also seeing the best of america and the best of america is yet to come and, and I, I in my heart in my deep belief i have tremendous hope and optimism that we're gonna we're gonna tackle this together we're gonna lead we're gonna lead the world in this um this is not just happening in america right. i just got some call from france this morning uh that um that there's a lot of anti-asian hate happening in france uh there's also my friends in south america who are asian uh, there's anti-asian hate happening in south america so this is not just an american thing this is a global thing in terms of this uh, anti-asian hate and violence so america is gonna we're gonna step up we're gonna take the lead and we're gonna show the best of america and the best of humanity as global citizens and the diversity that we have in this great country that we can tackle this and that we can help our asian american brothers and sisters uh, during this time 
one or both of you have sent me a couple of articles in the last couple of days, and I've kind of pulled snapshots of each of these. And I'm going to just outline kind of the what can we do, because I want to ask each of you as well, kind of as a, as a call to action here before we finish up today. And I'm going to give you the blank slate, you know, being the professor and the college guy that I am, you know, there, there's always an essay question on every test, unfortunately. But I'm going to give you that essay question question in a second if there's anything else you want to share. But let me tee that up first. Some of the headers on a couple of these articles of, you know, in the title of what can you do, I'm just going to read the headers and then I'm going to let each of you address any of those topics you'd like to. The first is listen. The second is amplify Asian American voices. Next is speak up, offer support, support Asian owned businesses, donate, share your experiences. And there's others, but those are just some of the things that come across in those articles that I've received and that I've found as well. Do any of those categories resonate the most with each of you? Linda, we'll go to you first. When you hear those things or anything else that you would like us to do. I would say share your experiences. I'm not hearing enough. Um, and as I have done, I have spoken up, I have spoken out, and I've shared my experience despite the embarrassment, despite the shame, um, despite the publicity and the press that I received over it, being front page as a victim, I'm going to continue to speak out and share my experience so that others understand and have compassion. And my hope is that they will have compassion as to how it had hurt me. Um, you know, after the first article published, I had two Caucasians reach out to me and tell me that they had no idea that anti-Asian hate was going on. And I thought to myself, how could you not know? Mm. It was all over social media, it was all over the news, the images of the elderly being pushed. How can you tell me that you did not know? But to them, they were isolated incidents. Isolated, exactly, yeah. It was isolated incidents. And perspective, it's all perspective. I, I <laughs> at first I was very, um, shocked that they would tell me that they didn't, they had no idea what was going on. But I am so grateful that I did speak out and had the opportunity to tell my story so that my own friends could reach out to me and tell me they had no idea. Tam, what about you? What of those categories or any other that hits you in the heart? <laughs> yeah. Nope, no pun intended with that, by the way. Yeah. Where, where do you want to go with this? Yeah. Um, multiple, multiple topics and headings that you said were intertwined with me in that. Um, and I think of listen intently to learn. I think of telling the story and sharing your story. And I think of amplifying our voices, right? And, 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 and so those for me, they're all intertwined as we listen and learn from each other, as we amplify, as we we have the courage like Linda and, and I give her so much credit for, for sharing her story uh, as a victim um, in terms of um, sharing your story and storytelling and then amplifying those voices. I, I know Ed, you're, 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 um, you're a pot, you have a podcast, you have a platform, you have a following on LinkedIn and, 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 and many of your colleagues uh, have the similar platforms that you have. And, and I would reach out and say, please, this is a critical time please reach out to your Asian American 
and Pacific Islander friends and listen to their stories. They, 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 they want to share their stories. And those who don't want to share their stories, ask someone else who, who, who's willing to. Because um, before Linda and I went, there was not many very many stories about AAPI in the mainstream news. Mo much of it was isolated to social media or Asian American focused news. Uh, many of the main platforms, your CNN, Foxes, your national news outlets, ABC, NBC, CBS, did not carry this story very much. And even today, uh, the, even though uh, the Nailing It team and, and, and we here in Orange County have been fortunate enough to be on some of the largest um, media news outlets, nationally and internationally, it's still very, very muted and, and not very known. So, so I would say that those of you who have a podcast, those of you who have a network, and those of you who are connected, please, please connect and share. The, 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 the more we share these stories, the more we're opening our hearts and minds to learn, the more we all have a sense of belonging to the human race. And, and that's just so critical during this time. So there were many of those things that, that, um, that I connected with. And then, and last but not least, if, 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 you know, I, I talk about, we talk about the four T's a lot, the, the, the giving of the times, talents, touch, and treasures, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you can donate to, to an Asian American cause at this time, the Asian American community, um, needs you, needs you badly and dearly. Um, there, there are many corporations. I have to give it to some Fortune 500 corporations here in America that are now with with um, stepping up to 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 activate uh, what we call employee resource groups for their Asian American employees and leaders uh, who are now being very focused and intent on bringing Asian American Pacific Islander leaders to the decision-making table so that they get a new perspective and also making donations to movements like ours uh, for, for the Asian American Pacific Islander movement to continue and it can sustain and amplify even more. So donating to like the Nailing It for America partnership with Orange County United Way, Stop a Asian Hate movement uh, is very much appreciated. So all of those are intertwined at this time. Um, and, 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 and so yeah, and so I thought, um, so I believe that sharing, us sharing and us continue to share and, and getting the voice out is, is, is very important. Well, and one, thank you, Tim. I appreciate that, and Linda. And one of the things that keeps resonating in my mind and in my heart as we're talking here today, especially in the last few minutes, is that every great change that's ever taken place in our society started with somebody stepping up courageously. So Linda, while it's out of your comfort zone, and Tam, I know you'd much rather just be running your business and trying to keep your business going because you know this has been a really rough time on, on your company, your industry, and so many others. For you both to have the courage to step up into, into a platform that you didn't ask for and a platform that didn't, uh, you, you weren't seeking this by any stretch. I know you both well enough to know. And I know Rosa Parks wasn't seeking the platform that she has. And I know... Martin Luther King wasn't seeking the platform either, and the names can go on and on and on. It, it's it's the, uh, the silence of those that causes this to continue. And I think people need to step up and speak up and do something. So I hope that if, if, if this conversation we're having here this morning can cause one person to rethink their paradigm and their philosophy, <clears throat> excuse me, and their belief system, <clears throat> 
uh, part of the voice is allergies and part of it is emotion. You combine the two on a topic like this and I got no hope, but with my voice, but I just know that you know, we need to stand up and, and we need to do something. So what is your hope right now that one person will do immediately after listening to this interview? You know, we talk about the, the you know, supporting businesses and to speak up and, and uh, take action, but can you give a specific example of maybe an action that someone could take today? Do you want to start, Linda, or would you like me to? If you can go ahead and start. Sure. Um, one action. specific. I know you talked about you know giving and so forth, and that's great, and that is big. But if there's anything first that comes to mind, of the, the, I hope yeah. that they will do there, this. There is something first that comes to mind is everyone who's listening to us today, please talk to a coworker, please talk to a friend, or please talk to your children at home at your dinner table tonight. Bring this topic up raise awareness, talk about it, get feelings from each perspective and talk about it in a very healthy way because we can't avoid these topics. And the more we, sh we hide from it, the more we believe it's isolated incidents, the more we shove it under the rug, the, more it, the worse it's gonna get. So please take action by starting the conversation, starting the conversation much like Ed started the conversation today with Linda and I. We, it, 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 I feel, I feel closer to Ed and Linda from this. I feel a sense of healing with Ed and Linda. And I feel a sense of more, more of a sense of belonging. And, 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 and so I want to be included. I, as an Asian American, now feel a responsibility. I didn't ask for this. I don't want to do this. I, I'd rather be with my wife and kids. I'd rather run my business. I'd rather go try to figure out the next round of PPP and, and, and do what, what's best for my employees. But you know what? This is important. This is necessary. So have the conversation. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Linda? Yes. My hope is for more to open their heart and their mind to welcoming this melting pot that we have in Orange County and accepting and learning about the various cultures. Um, where else can you find what we have here? And my best memories come from mm -hmm. learning um, from a Hispanic friend or teaching a black friend about um, something in my culture. And those were the best memories. And like I said, there, where else can you get that? And my call to action is going to be, if you're watching or listening to this today, this isn't about the From the Heart podcast at all. This is about correcting something that's going on in our world. And I'm not going to even just say Orange County, but in our world that you know, if you're watching and listening to this, you know where your heart is on this and you know there's a massive problem. And my ask is that you take this message today and you share it. A lot, well, like Linda said, a lot with, like Tam just said as well, have that conversation at your dinner table tonight, but share this in your social media platform, share this where you have influence, because if you're listening and watching this today, you have a freedom that a lot of people in this world don't have. And that is, you, we have all these ama amazing freedoms and so many people are trying to take those freedoms away from people. And the, the onus is on us, if you can hear my voice, to do something about it. And maybe the best thing you can do is just share this message so that the right person hears it. Most of us are not victims of these crimes, and most of us are not committing these crimes. I get that.
but we know someone who's going through it on one end or the other. And I have dear friends right here with me today who've experienced it firsthand and it's just wrong. And um, so my hope is that uh, we can take this message today and the newspaper articles where Linda's been and Tam and then other news stories and please don't let those be in vain. Let's, let's, let's change this society and let's, let's put this hashtag stop Asian hate to bed once and for all, because if we can put the hashtag away, that means the problem goes away. Problem doesn't go away when we put the hashtag away. It's the other way around. But I want to, you know, we want to make sure that we are, you know, not having these conversations because we don't need to, but we need to have these conversations as long as it's an issue. So Tam, Linda, thank you for taking the time and for having the courage to step up when, again, I know it's not in your comfort zone, but, um, you know, the only way things change is if courageous people step up and do something about it. So last, I know you've already kind of wrapped it up, but if there's any last word or any other message you want to share before we close out today, uh, open forum, Linda, last couple of comments and then Tam. Actually, Ed, I just want to thank you for giving us this platform to speak um, as Tim mentioned, it's, it's brought us closer together. We learned more about one another. Um, I'm sure you didn't know before this that you know, I, I'm afraid to make eye contact when I'm out in public. And That's not the Linda I know. That I... <laughs> the last time I saw you in yes, public was I... in Riverside a year ago at a Seven Leaves Cafe opening. And, you know, I never would have, a year later, would have imagined that you'd be feeling what you're feeling. So it breaks my heart. Yes. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for giving us the platform. It's an honor. Tam, brother, you get the final word, yeah. my friend. You know, um, what's in my heart right now is just love. A lot of love, compassion, and empathy. And let's let's all together as fellow humans spread that. And uh, appreciate um, you all listening in. Uh, appreciate, Ed, you doing this. If, uh, if you want to hear um, and the interviews Linda did, please come to social media on Facebook. It's Nailing It USA. Uh, you can go there and, and, and see some of the articles that we've done. Uh, of, uh, you can also go to Nailing It for America in collaboration with OC United Way to also see a little bit more in terms of what we're doing. But um, we want to continue to be Nailing It for America. But as we stop Asian hate together, thank you, Ed. Uh, you know, I, I think about I can't help but think about my my Caucasian mentors that I've met through the Center for Family Business. I can't help but think about my black friends from the Black Chamber of Commerce and business leaders. I can't help but think about my Hispanic brothers and sisters from the Hispanic community. That's my neighbors, uh, you know, here in Santa Ana, Anaheim, Garden Grove, Westminster, Fountain Valley. This is home to me. And so um, thank you. Thank you, uh, Ed, for doing this. You, you've truly listened, you've truly empathized, you're truly share, allowing us to tell our stories and you're truly amplifying it. Uh, so thank you, you're, you're, you're doing all the things that are necessary for us to, to provide the solution for this. Well, it's an honor and um, I love you both dearly. And uh, I'm just so grateful for this friendship that we have. And like I said, if, if one person rethinks their actions today as a result, then this conversation was well worth it, so. Thank you both. Thank you. That was um, Thank that you was so emotional. Much.